This morning, so you're busy with this sermon series on the seven churches of Revelation, uh, and so the purpose of this sermon series, you need to understand the following: is one to make sure that we have a biblical understanding of what church means. Church is not an institution; it is not a building. And so, many times in conversations, you will hear the following: you know, the church, the church. And so in that comment, you find that people do not understand who is the church. We are the church. And so when you speak about the church, you're either not part of that community or you have a wrong theology about church. We are the living stones uh, with Jesus being the cornerstone that builds up the church. It's not a building. We can, we can give this building away, but together we will still be the church. And so that's the one purpose. The other purpose is in Revelation 1 verse 1, it starts off by saying, and this is a revelation of Jesus Christ. And so the whole book of Revelations is his revelation. It's him revealing himself to his church. And so in these seven churches, you need to understand they represent the churches of that time, but it's also prophetic foresight for churches to come. So not only is Jesus revealing, revealing himself to those seven churches or the churches of Revelation as a whole, but he's also giving us prophetic foresight as to the church past, present, and future. And so in week one, you focused on Ephesus. Uh, the, the, the application to the church, to us, was be careful that it's not just about doctrine, the sound doctrine, but it's also about love and devotion to a father. And then Smyrna, church thereafter, the application to the church, it was a call to keep on enduring the persecution that they went through. And so the personal application, if you understand church, was be careful, Ephesus, that you don't get so involved, so busy with the things of God that you forget, you neglect God himself. And Smyrna is we need to understand that our, our war is not against flesh and blood. Gets this picture of the disciples being in the boat and they see the waves crashing into the boat and immediately they become fearful and they call Jesus. What does Jesus do? He doesn't speak to the waves, but he rebukes the wind behind the waves. See, our war is not against flesh and blood. Many a times you see it here in front of you, but there's something behind it. And so today we're going to continue with the, the, the church of Thyatira. Now this church, if you had to give it a name apart from its name being the church in Thyatira, is it's the tolerant church. The tolerant church. So you can open your Bibles with me as we read together uh, in Revelation 2. We're going to start verse 18. So let me just quickly give you background. Unlike the other Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, um, churches that were mighty, powerful, rich cities. Thyatira is the smallest of all the seven churches, the smallest of all the churches in that time. We don't know a lot about this church, but yet, if you look at the, just the size of the letters, it is the longest letter 
to any of the churches. And so Thyatira is this hard-working, blue-collar, factory type of town, not even a big city. And so it's in this that Jesus then comes and he speaks his truth, his revelation into this tolerant church. And remember what I said. Yes, he spoke to them, but what is he saying to us? And what is he saying to you this morning? And so let's read verse 18. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, The words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith, and service and patient endurance, and that you latter at and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you. I have this against you. That you tolerate. They are a tolerant church. That they tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her into a sickbed, and those who committed adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation, unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you entire Tyra who do not hold this teaching, we have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan. To you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast to uh, fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and the one who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when the earthen posts are broken in pieces. Even as I myself have received authority from my Father, I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches, not church. And so although this letter is written to this church, it is prophetic foresight for churches. Let us pray. Father, thank you that we can open your word. Holy Spirit, I pray in this moment that you will quiet down our spirits and our minds. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, as we just study your word, that you will reveal truth to us in the name of Jesus. Amen. So the first thing that you need to see about all these letters is got a specific structure. All of them follows the same structure, seven elements in these letters, and you'll see that up there behind me. The difference, however, is the first three follows the structure that you will see there. But then from this church, Thyatira onwards, point six and point seven changes around. So it ends off with, let them who have an ear listen. And so... Like every letter, Jesus starts in this one by introducing himself to the church. But it was unique and different in this letter from the others. He does this in two ways. He introduces himself, but he also uses a symbol. And so let's quickly read again verse 19. It says the following, or verse 18. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write the words of the Son of God. So he introduces himself 
as the Son of God. This is the only time you'll see those words in the whole book of Revelation. I am the true, the one, the only Son of God. And so why does he do this? And so to understand the reasoning behind it, you need to understand the city. If you were to visit the city in the first century, and you had to ask the people, who do you believe is the Son of God? They would have told you Apollo. Even maybe some of the people in the church. You see, Apollo was, the, was known, it was believed to be the son of Zeus. Now Zeus, pagan god, the god of gods. He is the god. And so Apollo being his son is referred to as the son of God. They even had coins with his face on the coin on the one side, the other side the engraving son of God. And so Jesus, knowing this confusion, introduces himself to the church. I am the one, the true, the only Son of God. And so let me pause there. If you have to introduce Jesus to somebody, what would you say this morning? Who is Jesus to you? And so he carries on and he uses the symbol. Who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. So on the one side, he speaks into this confusion. On the other side, he speaks into culture of that city. And so Tyra had a lot of different trade guilds. These guilds were powerful, influential entities. Now, what is a trade guild? Anybody here knows the labor union? They are more severe, more powerful, and more corrupt. And so for you, in this town or city, that was focused on producing stuff, a factory city, you were not allowed to sell, to sell your goods uh, or your products if you did, did not belong to the guild that oversaw your trade. And so all of these guilds had a pagan god that they worshipped, and collectively they worshipped Apollo. And so part of being a member of this guild, you were forced to attend the meetings. Now remember, if you did not do this, just think, you were not allowed to earn an income. And so by attending these meetings, they worship pagan gods, sacrifice things at these meetings. They also performed sexual acts at these meetings. And so on the one side, Jesus comes and he speaks into confusion, but also into culture, declaring himself as Lord of Lords to this church the church that calls himself the church of the Son of God. And so he carries on um, and he continues in his letter commending them. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance and that your latter works exceeds the first. It's amazing. Jesus just stops and he affirms this church. We see the same picture where Stephen is being stoned. He looks up and he sees the heavens open. What does he see? Jesus standing on the right side of the Father. Look, Father, affirming his servant. King of kings stopping. And he affirms this church for their work, for their love. It's important, for their love, for their faith, their service, their endurance. And he also acknowledged growth. Now, we don't know if this is growth in numbers, growth in different ministries, personal maturity, growth, because the Bible doesn't say but he acknowledges that. And so from the outside, when you read this letter, you might be sitting there thinking, sure, this is a healthy church. And right there, 
is the stumbling block that we all get sometimes caught in. Thinking that growth equals health. If I'm growing, then surely I'm healthy. But not all things that grow speaks about health. A cancer tumor also grows. And so if you look at our nation currently, there's a lot of things that are busy growing that is not healthy. Xenophobia in our, in our country. It is not healthy. And so this Jesus, Son of God, the Lord of Lords, affirms them. But then he points right into the issue of their hearts. And he says the following. But I have this against you. That you tolerate that woman Jezebel. Who calls herself a prophetess. And is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality. And to eat food sacrificed to idols. I have this against you. Remember. Jesus is speaking into this church, but he's speaking into the church, and he's speaking to us. I have this against you, that you tolerate this woman Jezebel. And so again, like in Pergamum, Jesus uses an Old Testament figure to say something to his church. This lady, this prophetess, was real, but her name wasn't Jezebel. This is a symbolic name that Jesus uses to point them back to the Old Testament and to understand what Jesus is saying to the church, you need to go and read 1 Kings from, verse, or from chapter 16 up until about chapter 21. You will read the story of Jezebel. So let me quickly summarize. She was the daughter of a guy by the name of um, Etbal. He was the king of Sidon, a worshiper of Baal. And so this, this daughter, this lady comes from a very dark background. And then we see the king of that time, the king over Israel, the king that God put in place. And he marries this lady called Jezebel to put in place a trade agreement between Israel and Phoenicia. And so he, we need to understand what is happening here. He is marrying a pagan woman, a queen for business, for business. And so he tolerates sin for personal gain. It's because God's word clearly stated to his people, you are not allowed to marry pagan women. And so he, for personal gain, for business, for trade, marries this pagan woman. Tyatira, for love, for the sake of love, for being accepted, for being a church that maybe communicates we accept. They are tolerating sin in their midst. And so Jezebel comes across, obviously, to Israel living with her husband. And she puts in place Baal worship in Israel. She kills most of the prophets, most of God's prophets. And so chapter 16, verses 33, listen to this. It says the following. And together, Ahab and Jezebel ushers into history the worst ever time in Israel's history. And it all started with a man of God, anointed by God, that tolerated sin. If you had to write a CV about what happened there, it would say the following. In 1 Kings 21, verse 25, it says, There was none who sold himself to do what was evil in the sight of the Lord like Ahab. Listen to this. 
whom Jezebel, his wife, incited. And so church in Thyatira, I see your love. I see this drive in you, this urge in you to love people and to create an environment where everybody feels welcome. But you have tolerated this lady for long enough. You've allowed her to break down my truth and to lead people into sin. And so in this moment, we need to realize something about whom he is and what he expects of us as a church. He is a holy God. And he doesn't tolerate sin. There is no way that you can think that it's okay to carry on and just live in sin, disobedient to God. And that this heavenly father, the God, the Alpha and Omega that we sung about, sits there and he smiles on you. No, he is holy. And he does not tolerate sin. And so this church that was commended for their love, finds themselves in this place. Well, so how do we carry on loving and involving and including people? And on the other side, understanding that God is holy and He does not tolerate sin. And here's the funny thing. As a church today, worldwide, we find ourselves in the same cultural challenges as this church We find ourselves in a place where society is preaching tolerance, same-sex marriages, abortion laws, decide what your your sex is, you know, you're a man, you're a woman, you're nothing. Religion in our education systems, they're preaching to us tolerance, tolerance. And so in this community, if you are not Tolerant, if you are intolerant, you are not tolerated. If you are intolerant, you are not tolerated. You are excluded. And so like this church, we find ourselves in a place, well, what are we going to do? Are we going to love and are we going to tolerate sin just to be included? You see, there's a difference between being accepted and approval. There's a difference between accepting somebody and agreeing with what they are doing. The church of Jesus Christ has to have open doors. Everybody is welcome. That is who Jesus calls us to be. You don't have to sort out your life. Be without sin. Know everything about this God before you are welcome in His presence. And so as a church, we need to accept Everybody, but as a church, we do not have to and we should not agree with lifestyles and behavioral thoughts and things that is against the word of God. Jesus loves and he accepts. And that's why I'm standing here. He made me in the darkest pit, sin. When I least deserved it, the King of Kings stepped out of heaven and he met me. He accepted me and he loved me and he pulled me out of that dark place. But then he said the following, now leave your life of sin. You see, we receive grace. We receive grace when we receive truth and we believe the truth. In that moment, where I saw the King of Kings 
truth being spoken over my life. Grace I received, which enables me to turn away from my sin and walk away. And so as a church, we need to be a place where people receive grace, but also truth. And so I have this against you, church, that you tolerate this lady called Jezebel. You tolerate sin. And herein lies the application of this letter to us as a church today. Can I ask you, what sin are you tolerating this morning? What sin have you given airtime in your life? Maybe cheating with your tax returns, sexual immorality, gossiping, lying. Maybe fear, bitterness, unforgiveness. Or seeing how close you can get to that, that line of this is now sin in doing business for your personal gain. What are you tolerating in your life this morning? Because you see the following, what you tolerate will take you over. What you tolerate will take you over. It will conquer you. And we see our Ahab marries Jezebel for personal gain. He tolerates sin for personal gain, for pleasure, for whatever it is that you get from what you tolerate. And it destroys his life. And so this morning, we need to understand Satan strategically positioning himself in the church then and in the church now. He's trying to get the the church of God to become irrelevant in society. How? What is the strategy that he uses? Get the church to tolerate sin. Get the church to be more worried about loving and caring and being a place where everybody's accepted than they are about speaking the truth. Jesus carries on. Verse 21. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her into a sickbed, and those who committed adultery with her, I will throw them into great tribulation. Unless they repent of her works, I will strike her children dead and all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart and I will give to each of you according to your works. Church, what are you tolerating this morning? What sin are you tolerating this morning in your life? Jesus giving us time to repent this morning. And he closes off this letter. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Just close your eyes. What sin are you tolerating this morning in your life? There's so many times... We think that we have, to, we have to overcome this by ourselves. Can I say to you this morning, without Jesus, 
Without the Holy Spirit, it is impossible, humanly impossible to help yourself. And so you can find rest this morning in His Word that says, if you confess your sins to Him, He is faithful and just. And He will forgive you. He will remove your sin as far as the east is from the west. And so this morning, I want to give you an opportunity. Holy Spirit, I pray now, why don't you just reveal to everyone sitting here this morning just what sin are we busy tolerating in our hearts? James 5.16, it says the following. If you confess your sins to one another, you receive healing. When you stand with a brother and sister and you confess your sins to God in that open environment, you receive healing. And so church, don't you want to stand with me? And I pray in this moment, whatever the Holy Spirit has revealed to you, let's not rush through this. I want to invite you. Don't you just want to find a men with men, women with women, just a brother and sister in Christ. This is not about being accepted. This is not about being accepted by man. This is, this is you coming before the Lord of Lords, the Son of God, and crying out to Him, no longer do I tolerate this sin in my life. Father, forgive me. So don't you just want to find somebody and just pray together. We're not going to run through this. We're not going to rush through this. So just find somebody and just pray with them in this moment. Yes, Father, thank you that, that in this moment there is total forgiveness and there is total restoration. Father, I'm just reminded of the man, Jesus, that, hang, that hung alongside you on the cross and in that moment confessing and you forgave. A lifelong life of sin you forgave. And so thank you that in your name, Jesus, I can speak healing, forgiveness, freedom now in the name of Jesus. Amen.